0: Welcome to another exciting episode of the Ride Balance Podcast brought to you by our sponsor, Ride Clean, the premium provider of environmentally friendly motorcycle cleaning products. Today, we have a very special guest, Johannes, aka Yo. He's a motorcycle enthusiast, real estate investor, and a mindset mentor who has created wealth through multifamily investments. And he's going to teach us about it and talk about it in this episode we'll be discussing yo's unique journey towards success and how his love for motorcycles played a role in shaping his entrepreneur mindset that's why he has so many motorcycles (laughs) we'll also dive into the world of real estate investment and discuss how how anyone can develop the millionaire mindset necessary to achieve their financial goals which he also teaches so sit back Relax and enjoy this episode of the Ride Boundless Podcast, sponsored by Ride Clean. Check them out at rideclean.co. Use promo code RB Podcast for 25% off free shipping and some extras as we explore this inter intersection between motorcycle culture and financial success with Johannes. <music> Yo, 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 in the house. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, man, how was that traffic, brother? Man, it was, <laughs> it was so wonderful. I got to be on the gas and the brake for about an hour and a half. It sucked. Holy
0: shit, man. Where'd you come from? Newport Beach. Newport Actually, Beach. Irvine. Irvine? Yeah. And the traffic was just fucking. You you could adjust the mic, face you a little bit if you want. I think it's so. okay. a little bit lower. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Let's see. them. You know, there we go. Even easier, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that fucking drive is crazy. Th- this is, um, it was like one of those dad jokes, but you, you, you know why, the, you know what they, why they call it the 405? Why? Because you're on it for four or five hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, wait, wait. <laughs> that's that?
0: <last> Buddy <laughs> <Funny> guy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, Have you ever seen the, uh, the, what is it? The, uh, Nazi, um, God, it's, it's Adolf Hitler dealing with, uh. Uh, they shut down the 405 for a long time. like uh, It was like six weeks. And it, it, there was a name for it. I forget. But anyway, they shut down the freeway. So there's this whole skit with uh, with Hitler, and he's like in German going, Dang, ding, bang, ding, and the whole time he's talking about. The translation is, the, she, she, someone asked him, he's like, hey, do you have to pick up your uh, wife at the airport? And he's like, yeah, I got to go to LAX, right? <laughs> and
0: he's like, ah. And he's like,
1: but the 405 is closed from fucking, I mean, the 405 is closed from fucking sunset all the way down to the 10 freeway, you're gonna have to take the service streets, and he's like, What? And he's cursing it because, but it's fucking Hitler, right? It's so funny. It, it's it's a remake, it's a, it's like an yeah. original
0: clip, and they redid That's it. That's right, they yeah. just because uh, the I've subtitles seen a few it. of those like that, but yeah. And I'm like, I've, I haven't seen the 405 one, but that sounds about right.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's part of living in Southern California, man. Traffic, right? You just got to deal with it. Key is yeah. have a car that you're cool to ride in, or a motorcycle, <laughs> you know, or a motorcycle, yeah. even better. But for motorcycles, I think fuck the traffic, I know you like the traffic, but. I like, um, I like riding on the beach. I like the mountains. I like it when there's a little bit of challenge, you know, I don't want it to be too soft and too easy, but for me, I'd rather ride either South or, you know, down by going to San Diego, all that pathway, Inland Empire and or the LA, LA mountains. Right. Yeah. And we're fucking blessed to have that shit. Big bear. (laughs) <laughs> want to mash up there real quick in the summertime fuck yeah that's one of the best rides ever actually yeah yeah i love that
0: ride yeah, yeah so I, I would say the last three years i've been doing that like every other weekend during the summer oh yeah
1: yeah you got to do it man and it's it's a dope ride and it's a challenging ride too i mean you gotta yeah. pay attention and you gotta but, but it's but,
0: quick people think it's so much further than what it actually is that's like, right people are like why you go to Big Bear? like i've, I've gone times like i'll leave here and i'll be there in an hour and a half i'll i'll be the bike will be parked and i'll be ordering coffee or having a sandwich by then you know, it's a totally. quick
1: little ride. Especially on the weekend. There's nobody in the morning. Yeah. Right? That's when you go. Typically, get up and, and yeah, hit yeah. it. Or midday. Yeah. Right? It's an easy ride. Um, so, yeah, I just feel blessed. Southern, the best part about Southern California is the motorcycles. The worst part to me is traffic. But the best part is motorcycles.
0: <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I've been trying to analyze why I like riding through, through traffic so much. And I think, I think one of the reasons is nobody can do anything. You know, like, like a cop can't pull me over. There, there's no way he'll catch up to me. Uh, if there's a, a dickhead or something that's, like, you know, trying to cut me off, I could just go around the other side, flip you know, flip him off. Like, there, nobody can do anything. Like, I feel mm. so fucking, feel like, huh? Now, I feel invincible. I really yeah, do. I like that. Where, like, in the open road, I'm like, oh, fuck, man. If a cop sees me, I'm getting pulled over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If there's a piece of shit, like, it, it's going to be an uncomfortable chase. Like, there's just, I, I feel that... It, for me, it's more danger at higher speeds. It's more dangerous and higher risk of tickets versus in traffic. It's zero risk of ticket, and it's zero risk that anybody's going to get in my way. And I, and I don't know if you've heard me say this in other episodes, but I've been saying this lately a lot. For the first time in my life, I feel safer on a motorcycle in traffic than in a car. Damn! All right, it's a hell of a statement. It's a hell of a statement, and, and here's the reason: it's a hell of a statement. The reason for that is when you're stuck in traffic in a car, yeah. you're stuck with the cars around you. Oh, and yeah. If well, anybody fucking acts out or if anybody wants to like lose their shit, you can't do nothing. If there's an earthquake or an emergency, you can't do nothing. If the cops block off the road, you can't do nothing. <laughs> you're trapped with fucking people. End of story. Yeah. With a bike, it's like, all right, I'm splitting lanes, splitting lanes. Oh, asshole, go around this way. Oh, another asshole split, like go straight across, you know, just, I'm gonna get out of yeah. here. Oh, fucking traffic or cop, you can avoid so much yeah. more. Okay. And again, I've said this statement and I've been called out on it. And just to clarify, with my experience, with 20 years of riding in traffic, that's why I'm saying it. I've yeah. gotten to that point. Yeah, it's,
1: it was, I think everyone feels that way. When you're in traffic, There's much, you'd much rather be in a motorcycle than a car, without a doubt. I mean, it's, yeah. it is the most optimal way of, of getting from point A to point B. Especially if the weather's nice, but you know, I tell you, I use, I've lived in LA since '95. I've seen uh, a lot of people. Uh, I used to drive from Long Beach to Santa Monica every day. Oh, uh, it's miserable. Anyways, man, I just seen a lot of a lot of accidents, and it's always during that time, traffic peak hours, lots of cars. I prefer to deal the track, and because of that, and I because I like. Hold on one second. I. I-
0: and we're what we talk about? back man how fucking ridiculous amazon i'm gonna call jeff bezos up on this motherfucker and be like yo what's your dude knocking on my door for uh we're
1: fucking talking about traffic la uh, oh yeah riding. just so many people i've seen go down in traffic and cars the great thing about the track is you can really push the bike to its fucking full limits uh you're not worried about cars and you know oncoming traffic a good friend of mine just got into, uh, it's been a year now, and he, he crashed his bike and got rid by a car. The bike crash was less damaging to him and his bike than the car that ran over him. And, uh, wow. you know, so I just say be careful because cars are terrible obstacles. They fucking suck, right? People aren't paying attention. And I just, so, you know, my Ducati is pushing, you know, 235 horsepower, tons of fucking torque. That thing's a monster. It has no business being on the freeway here, like in traffic. That's not where it's meant to be. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's meant to fucking push it and hit it. And, and bro, I'm telling you, everybody who ever takes their bike on the track, right? There's always this kind of like, I don't know if the track's for me. I, I, I'm telling you this. Anybody who's on the track will tell you the same thing. Once you get on the track with the bike, it doesn't matter what bike you have. You're like, oh shit, this is where I need to be all the time. This is fucking badass, right? Yeah. I can push it. I can go fast. How am I going to navigate this corner? You know, you know uh, other people out there are competitive with you and you guys are fucking hitting corners together, trying to, you know, get through it as quickly as possible. And then, you know, getting off the track and getting ready for the next session and figuring out what you did wrong and just hitting it and hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. Nothing feels better to me than, than that. So to, to ride the way I want to ride, which is full throttle, open, you know, pushing the bike to its limits, understanding how to maneuver it in and corner stuff, that's really where the what the track is for. The Indian that I have now, the Chief uh, Dark Horse, that's my cruiser. And I still like to mash on that thing. So for me open for that bike. It's great to just go straight. And and I'm on the PCH all the time, mashing or in some long Canyon roads or some shit. But, um, that's Saturday morning, no cars around. <laughs> I just, I like to go fast. So there's no cars around. That's the main part of the. Do, do you thing. go out there with a the trailer and camp out and do the whole? Oh yeah, totally, man. I got an RV. I got Toyola, which is awesome. That thing's fucking great. 20, yeah. 20 feet has a fuel station. I can sleep three, uh, solar, I badass. I paid 20 grand. It's the best thing ever. So now I can just go. I leave my V4 and my Supermoto in the toy hauler. And um, I have a Kendon trailer in my in my garage. And I leave the Indian in the garage in the Kendon trailer. So if I need um, to go to the track, I'm, everything's there. It's ready to go. I just go to where I store it, hook it up, bring some beers, <laughs> whatever food I'm going to eat, right? And then cook some steaks out there. It's fucking great. Yeah. But the fuel station is key because, you know, I'll be up there for the whole weekend.
0: Yeah, burning through fuel. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a key thing. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like I was telling you uh, before we even started. I just got my my racing license. Uh, I did it with the BMW. I, I was fucking destroying the track. The, the only person that I couldn't keep up with was the instructor. Ooh. You know, Mookie. Do you know Mookie? Yes, I did. Okay, know yeah, Mookie. yeah. So I did my nice. course with Mookie. He's been on the podcast. Um, so he, I mean, he was killing it. But I was, but I did it on a fucking my my GSA. Sweet. I did it on the BMW. Yeah. But I was killing it. And every time I got off the track, there that was a biking these, corner. What's that? That biking fucking corner. Yeah. But uh I had some uh I had some people walk up to me like, you know, they're they were from, you know, state, you know, they're, and they're like, ooh wee. <laughs> I've never seen anybody ride a BMW that hard like that. Nice. And I was like, Oh shit, thanks, oh, man. Nice. That's a good compliment, man. Sweet. <laughs> they're like, you know, I've never seen an adventure bike on a track. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. Interesting, um, but anyways, I did that, and I was talking to Mookie, and I got to I got to follow up with Mookie as a matter of fact, and we were talking about maybe getting rid of a bike and and getting that sprinter van because I was looking at one of those sprinter vans, yeah. and then get a you know racing bike. I was going to customize the Harley to do the Harley racing. But dude, Harley's crash. Yeah. They crash really bad. Yeah. And that much work, I was like, I would have to spend another thirty, forty thousand dollars just on my bike to to make it raceable, which is is crazy. And then if it fucking crashes, I'm fucked. Yeah. So everybody's like, go the six hundred route or the one thousand. That's easy to get into. It's fun. Easier compared to the Harley. Yeah. Well that bike
1: is made. Those bikes are made for that sort of riding. But uh, you know, like anything, the six hundred Yamaha, a, any sport bike right now is a fucking great sport bike. The bar has changed in the last five years. Sport bikes have just gone through the roof in terms of, sorry, in terms of the technology that it has, and braking power, and acceleration, and horsepower, and torque, and, and graphics, and braking, and shit. You know, like, Surfacing, and that's what it's about. Yeah. That's what it's about, man. You got to; those bikes are designed to fucking ridiculous stopping power, ridiculous acceleration. So they're just funner to ride out there, but those Harley's are badass too. It's just a lot of work, like you said, to to improve a bike like that. Take lift the bags, you know. There's just a lot of work to get that bike moving. When you're
0: spending. You're just gonna spend, you know, seventy, eighty thousand dollars if you think about it. Yeah. If you buy if you buy a new bike, and then you got to change the motor and raise the suspension and change the exhaust and do this, and yeah. Upgrade the calipers and rotors and brakes. It's a, it's a complete build. It's a know? complete build. So yeah. a, a, a regular, I'm I'm over forty thousand dollars on a regular build of just like okay I did bars and you know, the basic stuff where how much is the most expensive ducati uh, ra- you know racing bike 40 grand uh, no, 130, 000. 130,
1: wow, oh no 130000 130000
0: wow that's like yeah yeah okay. yeah Their
1: super leggera is 130 my v4 new was with the Acro- acropovic exhaust was 38 and then i put carbon fiber wheels and i did a bunch of sh- i spent probably 10 no 12000 bucks and then the 40M the um, hmm? on top of the 38 on top of the 38. You know. Right. Then I spent, you know, a bunch on rims and carbon and doing a bunch of shit. Then I went the other direction and I made a dedicated track bike and that was a $7,000 conversion. Right. So right. if you start trying to transform a bike, it's, it's expensive. And right now you can buy sports bikes that are ready to go. Right. At for seven, $8,000 that are ready to go. Perfect for the track. If That's what you want to do. But I, I would highly suggest doing that. If you're thinking about getting a van, fuck yes. My Tahoe has, you know, cross rails. I've got a, a canopy set up, you know. I've got a, a, a fuel cargo carrier so I can throw a bunch of shit up there. And I have a Kendon trailer. Then I got a toy hauler, like, you know, to, to really hit the track. It takes fucking dedication, you know. But if you, and, and that's what you need is a tool like that to get you there, be able to sleep, eat, change, power up your vehicle, you know get the fucking tire warmers going
0: so let let, let me pick your brain on this real quick because you've been doing it Mm. if if hypothetically i pick up one of these sprinter vans obviously it's like well fuck do i get it all like custom and you know what the sleeping bed and the fucking bathroom and the fucking everything or do i just do it simple and get like a bed that goes up and down where i could just put in a motorcycle like kind of minimalistic in the middle or like go full throttle
1: Mm. yeah so i think uh People who typically get min- minivans like that, they're, it depends on who you're going with and what your intent is. So, you know, why I get a Sprinter van is because you just want to go by yourself. Uh, you want to make it as super convenient as possible to go by yourself. Me, I have my lady who wants to come, right? It's great to have her there. She uh, helps out with setting up and getting food and pictures and stuff. Um, so I need more than that. Yeah. but. If you're going to do the sprinter van route, it's really about just getting up there and, and being super efficient. And the luxury aspect isn't really there. You can, but it's well, really there, expensive. Well, there's,
0: there's, there's a different thing. And, and here's what here's what I'm trying to do. Number one, I have a podcast called the Ride Boundless Podcast. Mm-hmm. And what better way to have the ride balance experience than to have a van that can ride boundless? Oh, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, totally. So one is like to, to do uh, record episodes in the van. That's number one. Uh, number two, I have a motorcycle cleaning product called Ride Clean. Yep. This episode's brought to you by Ride Clean. Uh, you know, and it's an all-purpose cleaner. And before the pandemic, like, my bread and butter was that. I was going to conventions, SEMA events, IMS, everywhere, and mm. I was selling out like crazy. Oh, like, good. Like, I was fucking selling out. So when the when the pandemic hit, I, I took a hit. Like, every, like a lot of people did. Uh, now I'm more focused on online sales. So the point of the van is... To do podcasts, at least do like some cross country, you know, maybe a month or two out of the year, uh, race motorcycles, and then also use it to take product to, you know, shows and, and continue doing that and sell bottles right clean. Yep. So it's, it's not. Yeah. And then obviously I have my little one, you know, that, hey, pops, I want to go, you know, check it out. <laughs> All right, let's go.
1: Yeah. No, then I think that's, that's great. I mean, it's utilitarian, it sounds like. And, um, you know, if you don't need the bed, I wouldn't put it in there a lot of people i know who go to the track they just pop up a tent or they have something they put up on the uh on, this, on the mm. on the top and make a tent there yeah um but the inside conversion part is really expensive and people charge a lot and it's just a it's a big thing but if you just keep it utilitarian put some utility racks in there you know some stuff like that and you can even get a dodge of uh, you know van they're doing these great diesel engine now diesel engine ones now dodge and and mercedes they're all doing v6 diesels and uh, those things kick ass, right? And they get great gas mileage in there. Yeah, so I wouldn't say, I, I, I'd keep it simple. For me, like I said, my, my lady goes with me. We are planning to have a family, and it's going to be, we do other things like go to the beach and shit like that, so it's a little bit different. But I, I tell you, I see guys who do that all the time, but they're spending so much money. The all-in on doing a van conversion with a with a decent van is like sixty thousand dollars,
0: right? Oh, dude, that's if you're lucky. Yeah, I mean, right now with all the markups, it's yeah, exactly. S- sixty grand on top of the price of the van. Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. So, so my, so yes, so my toy hauler is was well, twenty thousand dollars, right? Twenty three thousand I'll in with interest and everything, and and I get so much out of it, but I don't need to. Uh, but I pay to store it, right? So, it cost me two hundred bucks. Uh, where the where the van, you don't need to do that, right? Just park it in front of wherever look, if you have a place to park it. Um, so, I think it just depends. But if you're going to use it beyond the track, yeah, keep it utilitarian, man. Those things are so great. You can do whatever. We I used to have one, and, and we just throw the beach stuff in there. You just throw shit in. <laughs> yeah. We're going to the beach, throw it all in. We're going to golf All right, throw it in. <laughs> yeah, no, no, straight right? out. And a lot of people rent those things out on Turo, too. But it doesn't sound like that would work for you. But we see a lot of. Uh, I have a buddy who does his big van on Turo and does well with it. But his is. Does he know, rent it as a cargo van or he rents it out as a. As a, as a, not a cargo well, can't,
0: not for doing can't.
1: carving, can't, that but, um, so he rents it out to people who do want to do Uber. He rents it out to, or drive. So it's a passenger van It's a passenger event. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what i mentioned that passenger. And, um, but then he pulls all the seats out and has his shelves of shit that he can put in and, and does his do. So you can, that, that I think is a better conversion in my mind where if you can monetize it more doing other things, but again you, you you want to go out and do things with people and engage your audience yeah and then you, there's you probably the, wouldn't do there's that
0: there's the other mercedes which it might be this one that you're talking about your buddy has where it has the multiple seats and the tv screens and stuff like that yes and i was thinking about getting one of those because those you're right you can rent them out and people do vegas runs you know yeah. and it's like hey i'll rent your van out for like two grand i got a i got a party of six mm-hmm. seven you know and that's it's right like, all right well i could do that in the meantime and that'd be kind of cool because they all lay down and make a bed and you know, does this do the same? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really nice, actually. Yeah. But you can't tow a
1: bike. Yeah. It doesn't have the, that sort of deal in it, which sucks. So that that's, you, and so you have to do that conversion to get your bike inside and do all that. It's a lot. But, um, I don't know, man. It's a it's an expensive endeavor, I'll say that. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Like, it's, it's just so much energy and effort where, you know... Uh, but you, if, if you need to go out and engage your fans, and that's a different thing, right? Engage your your audience. That's a different different use case than what I'm using it for.
0: Well, I got a quick question. So just to clarify, when you go to these track days, mm-hmm. you're
1: going to track days. You're not racing. Uh, I'm not racing, no. No, I go to yeah. open session. My favorite one to go to, so there's obviously there's four tracks here that are pretty awesome.
0: You know this? Uh, Chuck Walla,
1: uh-huh. uh, Willow Springs. That's right. Button uh, Willow. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the three main ones, right? Wills in, in uh, Bakersfield, Laguna Seca. Yeah, Laguna Seca, which I do twice a year. It's a fucking awesome track. That is a fucking badass track, That's a right badass there. badass on that track. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really awesome. Uh, Ducati does this thing every year. I tell everyone about it, and it, just like I it was, it's so funny. I tell people about stuff, right? And they're people who are in the track track and loop. They go to the track. They spend two fifty, you know, to get a to get in. Uh, There's different formats and whatnot. But I go to this thing that Ducati puts on every year. Uh, It's called Ducati Revs. It's at Laguna Seca. And Ducati rents the the whole venue out, only for Ducatis. Invitation only through the dealer. And it's at the end of the Moto America race, the season, which ends at Laguna Seca every year. So right at the beginning of July, right after 4th of July. And uh, all the Ducati riders who are in Moto America, whether it's in Super Sport Class or the, the... the leader class, uh, there are instructors, right? Yeah. And really they don't instruct us. They just like, we, they do a little classroom session. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to go out there and do blah, blah, blah. And then you go out there and they, they show you different parts of the track. And, but after like the second or third session, they're just fucking going off there. They stop teaching you. They're like, Oh yeah. And they start racing each other. <laughs> right. But it's still cool to ride on that fucking track with these pros. And there's a lot of insight that you can gain from them. But, uh, so Ducati runs the whole fucking thing and we got the whole place out and, of the people who come there who have a big bike or a Ducati sport bike, um, they haven't really been to a track day. They're not true. They're they're not, they don't do the track a lot. So they get burnt out usually by midday. So by the end of the day, after one o'clock, usually who's there are the people who really enjoy track, right? And, And understand how special it is to be on that track in summer in, you know, Laguna Seca when the weather's perfect. And, um, so it just it winds up just being me and my eight buddies who go every single year. and We're all the same Ducati Club and we just are fucking on this track and we're A, B, and C sessions for like six hours, right? So from one to, or from one o'clock to like six o'clock. And by ourselves, just in it. No rev limiter. I mean, no, uh, no usually they um, restrict sound there, right? They, they only let you have so much. Your DBs can only be so much and um, they don't care that, about that for us. So we're out there on this pro track hitting it every single. So it's five hundred bucks. Ducati brings you lunch. It's a big tent, ride demos, but it's fucking amazing. And I tell everybody about it. In the track world, people are like, "Oh, it's five hundred bucks. A lot of money." And then I'm like, "You just kind of do it." And then they do it, and they're like, "Holy shit, that was the most fucking amazing thing ever!" ever. Yeah. Right? Like, "Oh my god, I got a private track." You know? Yeah, like, a private pro track, right? And so, and also, we're going to go do the same thing. Ducati's doing the same thing at uh, Coda in March. So, and you know, take the toy hauler, go out there, camp for the weekend. Be behind Moto America and then um and then we got we got track sessions the next day for the next three days. That's gonna be fucking cool. And it's the same thing at Laguna Seca. They do the Moto America there. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sun Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Mondays is private track day. And it's just I feel so special. So I'm really I'm really blessed to do that.
0: Yeah, that's a hell of an experience.
1: (laughs) It's so badass, Matt. It's just so great. I love my motorcycle. The Ducati is my bike. I love that thing over all others. You know, everything else is, I love all my bikes, but the Ducati is special. It's, it's a, a unique place in my fucking heart. I, I would go crazy if I couldn't ride that bike. It's just so much power, so much torque, so much technology. It's fast as fuck. <laughs> it corners, you know, it's just so fucking awesome. The feeling of acceleration on that bike, right? And then it's- I had this um, GoPro video and I had it plugged into my uh, mic you know, at Laguna Seca. And uh, you, I I didn't mean to have it plugged into my mic, but I had it recording the the video and the audio, and the whole time I'm just like, yeah, oh shit, Ooh! <laughs> yeah, motherfucker, oh, yeah, right. That's just the whole time, the whole bucket, like ten minutes that. of that shit, right? You should publish it, man. yeah, people love that because that's where it's at, right? And that's yeah. where it's at, dog. It's at when the, when the people start hitting it and you're going, it's awesome. But um. But, man, how do you
0: afford, like, that's expensive-ass hobby, man. Yes. You know, because, uh, you know, my, my idea is if I start going into the track, I, I want to do a couple races. I don't know if I'd be good or bad, but, you know, I think I have the technical aspects of it. But one of the main reasons I would want to race is because I want to put Ride Clean out there and Ride Boundless out there. And, you know, kind of brand. You can sponsor have, me,
1: dude. What's that? That's the way you do it. Probably just sponsor me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I got to get it. Free branding. Too, free yeah. branding. Oh, okay. Right. I
1: actually do but, want to ride. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: No. And, and I want to ride. But yeah. that, that's the whole idea. But I, I see a, I see people that are just going on the week at the track dates. And they're, they're bringing out the toy haulers. They're bringing out their bikes. They're going. They're, they're paying the 500 bucks. But how many tires are you going through? How much gas are you going through? How many services do you got to go through? It becomes expensive.
1: It's definitely, uh, costly. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely some cash flow. Uh, uh, it does consume dollars, this sport and, uh, but it's definitely worth it. So what, one of the things I, one of the things I want to talk about with you today and just generally speaking and why I want to come on your podcast is just, uh, relates to what the question that you're asking, which is, you know, how do you get to live and build the life that you want to live for right. me, riding motorcycles, everything clearly you can see I love the track. If I could spend every weekend out there, I would. Um, but unfortunately, I got to like, there's stuff, other stuff I have to do. But if I could be out there racing all the time, I would. That's actually the ultimate goals. is like, I just want to ride my motorcycle on the track every weekend, all the time. Supermoto track, big track, ride my bike. So, but how do you design a life where you can do that and afford these things? And, um... What I've noticed in... One of the reasons why I want to talk with you is I noticed in our community, which is a motorcycle community, right? There's a lot of people. I see a lot of these amazing guys like you who are leaders, who are great riders. People rally around them because they're awesome, right? But uh, they're struggling to figure out how to, you know, build wealth, right? And not being rich, not uh, making a lot of money, but build wealth, right? And it makes me sad to see people who have such great leadership qualities and brotherhood uh loyal, all the great things that when you ride with people you have to have right camaraderie uh you got to believe you know w- one of the great things about my Ducati crew is uh we ride maybe seven eight nine ten deep sometimes right and sometimes even bigger and we'll get guys who haven't ridden that much before and but they want to be out there they want to be riding with people and and we make sure that they don't, you know, people get flat tires, they have issues, batteries dead, right? We we wait, we help, we provide a community where we can support each other. Oil leaks, fucking shit happens, right? So I love that, and there's this, just great, it shows leadership when I see that sort of, all, everyone I ride with is a leader, but, and everyone asks me the same question, hey man, how do you fucking afford all these damn bikes and go to the track all the fucking weekend because tracks are expensive? And I, I I tell the man it's like, hey, I, I changed the way that I think. I started thinking differently a long time ago. This is the what what you're seeing now in my life, which is, you know, a lot of money in motorcycles. I travel around the world, I do great things. My life is is I'm financially independent. Yeah. And that's a that's a wonderful place to be at. And what I realized in this journey is that a lot of people don't have the knowledge and the skills and the tools to be able to craft a life like this. They think that, you know, getting a great job, um, you know, going that path, right. This, this career is the way to create wealth and wealth to me is like, is money, but it's also time. It's also freedom to do things that you want to do. That's wealth, right? Uh, it's not just, um, uh, money I, in the I, account. Money in the account. It's, it's, it's freedom. And, to get to that, right? If you look at the world right now, anybody who's wealthy, meaning that they they have financial independence, financial freedom, um, you know, they're doing it from uh, not from a place of working for somebody. Let's just say that. And and the reason why is these people all have a different mindset and a mentality. They understand how money works, right? They understand that uh, paying for anything post-tax, right? Like you get a paycheck and you get all this taxes taken out of it, right? That's the worst way to buy any sort of asset, uh, especially one that is supposed to be making you money. And having a tax strategy, things like that, they don't know, right? Uh, what we, I think in our society, what we've kind of come to is this mindset of like everything should be easy and we follow what's in front of us as opposed to really getting some financial intelligence and I think that's what's that's what's lacking so I mean all these great guys I'm like god dude if you just had the tools the knowledge and the mindset which you already have clearly as a leader you could be doing so many so many great all the things that they tell me they want to do right and they say I want to do this I want to do that okay why aren't you doing it well, because of X, Y, Z. I don't have the money, I don't have the this, this blah blah blah. The time, the time, right? And you have to craft that. It takes time. You, you need to build it. And part of that is being financially literate. And earlier off offline, we were talking about oh, this is a do-it-yourself kind of world now, and everyone's trying to start to figure out how to make money and how to. Um, like you know, you were talking about your. I, I put my Tahoe on Turo. It's fucking great. It pays for itself. Actually, shared economy. It, yeah, it's a shared economy. That was the right the right terminology, and you know, I like that. And that's a great way of thinking, but I really want people to start really thinking differently about, you know, how to really create wealth. I don't, all of my banks, my house. So what does financially independent means? Financially independent means, um, I don't, I have incoming income every single month that I don't have to work for. It's, it's a a business that generates certain amount of revenue. and I don't need to think about it. It's just coming in. Right. And it's, Everything that I buy is pre-tax, meaning I buy it with pre-tax money, and I use it as a, a, a write-off, right, a deduction. <clears throat> Most people don't really pay t- their attention to their taxes, but taxes is the biggest expense you'll ever have in your entire life. It, it, your housing is not more <laughs> expensive than your taxes. Your taxes are going to be your biggest expense throughout life if you plan to create any sort of, sort of wealth. And our our financial system is really geared even our tax system, right, is geared for um, you know, people like me who understand how to use it and use it to our benefit to grow to generate revenue for our economy. And I, I pay very little taxes and so every year I generate lots of money. I pays for all my little toys. Uh, and I don't pay taxes or I pay very little taxes. And it was wow well, fucking you know, how the fuck you do that shit? Like what the fuck? And it's a really was a mindset shift. And it was about getting smart about money, how it works and capital and how people generate wealth. Here's a startling fact. You might have heard me say this before, but every year in the United States, 400,000 Americans become millionaires. Every year, brand new millionaires. 400,000? 400,000, right? According to the Fed and the surveys that they take. And of those 400,000 Americans every year for the past 15 years, which is, by the way, twice as much as the next... Four countries combined. Um, these new mer- these new millionaires come from eighty percent of them come from low income families. Only three percent of the of these people have inherited their their money, right? And most of them are self made millionaires. And what's fascinating about that is what it tells you is that these people think differently than you and I. They think differently than most people, and they they have a different mindset. They're committed. They're not worried about their external circumstances, right? Where they came from, what neighborhood they live at, what school they went to. They're not focused on that. They're focused on their what they can control in their internal circumstances, which is their commitment to whatever they want to get to. And then I see is the big problem just with a lot of my friends is they don't have this commitment to their goal or their dream. For me, it's always been, I wanted to be, when I discovered apartments 20 years ago and I was like, holy shit, what the fuck? <laughs> Why did I not know about this? How? Did, what? He paid for that boat? How? What are you talking about? What? No. Now nah, you fucking bullshitting me. And you're know paying taxes? What? Holy shit! Once I learned the the money game, life changed, and that's that's a really important thing is being financially literate, and taxes are a big part of that, Uh and how and and so what I try to talk to people about is like this commitment to achieving whatever they want to achieve. And I use that analogy about millionaires because I think millionaires think differently. They have to. Most come out of either a place of necessity and, um, you know, they have to do it, right? There's a choice. Uh, they're required to do it. Actually, most people who inherit their money or their parents give money or whatever, they tend to not appreciate or understand the value of it and, um, and burn through it. But the people who are wealthy, right, they, they do it out of necessity, and our minds are geared for, um, you know, safety, not success. Right? It's it's our brains are designed to be cautious and protect us and make sure we don't get into these, which is exactly the opposite way that you need to think. Right. Yeah. So I one of the our our, our, our brain. I've said this statement before.
0: Our brain is our worst enemy. That's
1: right. Exactly. Exactly. And so I, I always want to talk to people about that. I've always, and, I, and so many of my friends, who I see them like, God, you're so smart. And like, if, if you could just figure out how to invest in yourself and get, get this information, you could really achieve whatever you want to achieve. And it really starts with mindset, right? This commitment to um, achieving your goal. And I think the people who are committed to wealth achievement, they're a great example to their mindset can be used to, to model achieving any goal in life. Because it, it's, it's very hard to do. But we're in a, a country where we have all this opportunity and it's just amazing. And so I'm always trying to talk to people about that. So it was interesting you asked me that question. Sorry to ramble. No, 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 no. It, it, it's a valid point. I, I want to add that the the two
0: things that, you know, you just said one that people are not well trained in is is money. That's right. And the other one is credit. Pe- That's right. People don't learn about credit. People don't learn about keeping their credit, you know, running their credit, keeping your balances, how to get your score increased. Like those are the two things that they don't even teach in the school systems. That's right. And most people don't even know where to, where to learn this from, you know? It, it's, it's, it's very challenging, but that's yeah. the first thing that pops up as soon as you said that. I was like, yeah, and credit.
1: <laughs> well, I think, you know, people who are really successful, you know, they think about where they... You're right, the, the, the lack of knowledge is big there. But the people who are successful, right, they figure out what they need to know. They go out and they search for that that data. And One of the best ways of doing that is to, you know, can... Right now, we live in an age where you can get anything, any bit of information. You can school yourself relatively quickly on a lot of things in from YouTube, or right, Google. or just Google, or just the yeah, internet yeah. generally, right? YouTube is one of the most sought after platforms because you can learn so much. So it's it's this mindset of okay, what do I need to do to learn this stuff? And I think unfortunately, people are a little preoccupied with other things, but this we'll, distra- distraction. That's right. And you know, we got technology and all this other shit. So, uh, but yeah, man, I, 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 pay for my shit through my stuff. Pardon me through, uh, passive what income. You, <laughs> <saying>? <laughs> you heard me, motherfucker. <laughs> Damn it, man. No fucking cussing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, crazy. so my, my wife and I, we have a, a private real estate investment firm called multifamily investment partners. It's a, a syndication, which means that we uh, partner other people's money together with our money to go out and buy some of the best properties, which right now is apartment buildings. And um, we've been doing that for two years. We've got a little bit over a thousand units today that we've accom- that we've uh, accumulated, and um, it's been transformational for our life. Where I've been able to quit my job. I had a great paying job. You know, fucking I, I, I,
0: talk I, I, about great timing, huh? Yeah, amazing <laughs> timing.
1: But you know, that's that's part of it is understanding you know economic cycles and what sort of things to do. In but is that a real thing? Cycles?
0: Yes, it is. is it,
1: but is it a fucking real thing? Like, really? Like, the,
0: nobody can predict COVID, and nobody could have predicted this cycle was going to happen during this time. You know, th- th- there's obviously people that were doing it, and there's people that profited and took advantage of it because they were in it at the right time. You know, hence, but there, there's not there's no fucking study available to be like, well, let's go back to the last uh, COVID outbreak and the, when the world shut down, <laughs> let's see what happened to the real estate and the car prices. You
1: know what I mean? There's, yeah.
0: there's that, that, doesn't, I know there's something, but that doesn't exist.
1: Well, I mean, that was a very unique anomaly that wasn't market driven. It was government driven, right? We live in the United right. States. That's the only thing you could do. You had no choice, but uh, yes, there's been uh eight, Major economic cycles in the United States and the seventh one, uh, which was the crash of 2008, that, that was a, a, also an anomaly, just in the sense that it was really fraud more than a, a, a market. Economic cycles are real and because, and here's the reason why, is because it's, economic cycles are all about human interaction, human behavior is we're humans are so fucking predictable. <laughs> we're actually kind of pitiful animals, you know, like, you know, if you, think, if, that. if you think about like animals in the wild, right? They, the way you hunt, you're, you, you, you're predictable you, you hunt predictable game, right? Predictability is a, is a, uh, a downfall of, of man. But if you're an investor, it's fucking great because you can start to predict human interaction, human flow. The stock market is about human uh emotion. It's not about how good, you know these particular markets are. It's about people, how they invest, what happens in a stock market. But in the last seven, you know, the, the last uh, eight economic cycles, dating back from the the 1900s, here's what always happens. From 1878, here's what always happens: market's doing fucking awesome, capitalism's kicking, woo, all's good, and then boom, there's a a big correction, right? And then after that correction, usually within uh, a year. Uh, things get back to where they need to go or they go higher, right? In that dip, right? And this has happened across the seven, eight, seven of the eight uh, economic cycles, excluding, because COVID was a fantastic thing, actually, if you think about it. I mean, it sucked that the government put a bunch of money into the economy and caused inflation. That's why we're having it. Those motherfuckers. But, um, and all the
0: people that died and got vaccinated, they didn't want to get vaccinated, and all the kids and schools and all this other shit was bad. Yes, yeah. yes, it was. But but uh, for business,
1: well, okay. So COVID, in my mind, was a. Uh, there is a lot of negative. Anytime anyone's sick or going to the hospital, or whatever. But it was a. On the bigger side of that was a. To me, was a. A big, our government pushing. Bullshit on us. That's what that was to me. I thought COVID was, uh, and even to the day, like, how many people died? There's a, the whole thing with the government being involved in it was just terrible. That they handled it poorly, lost trust in them. But from an economic perspective, huge migrations into different markets. I mean, we, we grew exponentially between 2020 and today, right? Uh, real estate, push, stock market, push, Everything, we're just talking about Turo and all the shit, right? Who has money to go do this? That's because the economy has been like on fire. So uh, COVID, it really helped from an economic perspective, helped uh, our economy. But um, whenever you have these cycles, there's always a correction. And if it's a natural cycle uh, and a natural correction, meaning it's based off human behavior and what the stupid shit that we do, um, then you know, people take advantage of that down cycle and they're they want to buy as things continue to go up. No matter what sort of asset that you're buying, but economic cycles are real. COVID, I think, was you know an anomaly, as was uh, 20, 2008. You know, uh, but I'll tell you, dude, if you just look around and see like who's making money, there's a lot of people making money, whether it's a good economic, economic you know uh, cycle or a bad economic cycle, and they just they but their IQ is up, and you know, okay, so tell me, did you know uh, that there's you know been some pretty Pretty major, eight economic cycles and since 1878. No. Yeah. And so people who understand, like, they they go and they look at these things, right? What's happening in L.A. today? What happened 20 years ago? but is that including
0: the, the, World war, war, the World Wars, and is that part of the, the seven?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, without a doubt. Well, I mean, we had an amazing, you know, but prior to the war, prior to World War Two, our economy was okay. It was doing good. Then the war, the war hit, and then our economy went through the fucking roof, partially because of government spending, right? We're spending a shitload of money right, on building military and doing shit GM, like that, right? You know, yeah. And investments Tanks. in the companies who were doing that, right, who were building those things. Uh, lots of manufacturing. That was the manufacturing age. We're pumping out steel like it was going out of style, going through coal. Yeah, you see, the, the, that,
0: that. yeah, I, I guess that's pretty controlled because obviously that's why they
1: were fueled to go to war because it was bringing money into the economy, yeah, so it was part of the reason, right? I mean, but also World War II was a huge. I mean, Europe was in 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 the shits. Hitler, uh, you know, Nazi Germany was pushing and taking over, you know, sovereign countries. Right? It was a terrible time, and uh, the, the, without United States getting into that war, we would have been. A, who knows what would happen there? England was fucking. Bu- I mean, look, the English, English, <laughs> the English were fucked. The French were fucked. The Italians were fucked. Right. And United States came in and did some some great work there, but you know our country has gone through these s- similar cycles like that um, that weren't drawn from World War II. did our did, did, did our did our did our country it, it really spurred our economy for many years, and we helped rebuild Europe. Right, that gave us a lot of money. That helped our our uh, economy significantly. So I'm sorry, are you going to say something? No, no, prohibition as well. Yep. That was another big one, prohibition. That's right, but uh, Vietnam, yeah, Vietnam was 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 huge actually. Vietnam. I mean, even right now, the war in Ukraine is impacting us less than it is in in Europe. Wars are terrible, right? But whenever there's a, a market shift, uh, that's based off of the market that it's in, right? But it, like steel, right? Right now, steel's going through the fucking through the roof, and it's because we're sending. You know, we're building web- weapons of war, right? Big tanks and shit. We're doing all kinds of crazy shit right now, actually. So...
0: Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. There, there's a report coming out. I don't remember the names, but there's a lot of people in government that are passing laws to help Ukraine, but they all have, st- you know, holding stocks that's
1: providing... That's right. There's always that conflict of interest is bullshit. I hate that, actually. Yeah. You know? Well, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. You know, it's interesting. Like, I think about when... Um, Donald Trump got elected and, you know, there was a lot of pressure on him to step down from the Trump organization and he did, uh, you know, put his family into place and he moved on and they had to make sure there was separation, right? I would love to see that in government all the way around the board. You're not involved in that shit during your... Because you know what? It'll keep them from from staying in office for so damn long and becoming these fucking uh, lifelong political, you know, people. Influencers. Yes, right? If it, like, like, looking at Nancy Pelosi. That bitch has been around for... 60 years yeah, in man. politics, right? 60 years. I mean, have
0: you seen her husband's track record on the Wall Street? That's right. He's that's what I'm doing, telling you. He's doing better than uh, Buffett and uh, Soros. Yeah. Uh, what do <laughs> Why do you think? Why do you think, man? Exactly. How is he's he killing it, that guy.
1: He's like, he's he's outperforming. Yeah, exactly. He's outperforming he's, the Warren? top performers, yeah. <laughs> the right? Top, you you know, like, yeah. It's like, come on. And then uh, who's that one uh, That one black girl uh, in uh, Englewood? Gosh, she's so, she's, in my mind, I'm not a fan of her, but her husband, right? She, she was in, uh, on the committee that liquid, you know, our U.S. Postal Service is in huge trouble, right? We've been, it's been losing money for a long time and billions of dollars in debt, right? So recently they just, uh, they own a lot of real estate. And so recently all their locations, a lot of post office locations are closing. I already noticed this. And the, the real estate is being sold. These this real estate is in prime markets around the United States. Like think about where your local my my at least you live in Hollywood here. My local post office, which is right right between um, Hollywood and, uh, and Highland or right at Hollywood Highland, you know, that's prime real estate. Now there's fucking multi billion dollar condos. I mean, multi million dollar condos going up there. So it's prime real estate. Her husband, <laughs> he was a real estate broker, right? Got the contract to sell all those. No, I swear that's to you on my life, dude. dude. What the fuck, what the, right? What, what it's what like, were the dude, chances? you're killing me. And what it does it, the it, it because because here it is, dude. The power, uh politics breeds power, which breeds corruption. Always. always, always, always. It's that's that's why you want limited government. It's always going to be. There's never been a powerful central government that hasn't been corrupt. So one of the things I I really admire about some of the California municipalities is that. You have term limits, right? I'd love to see term limits on uh, state senators and 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 uh, even state legislature, right? Just Because if you're in there too long, you're going to become corrupt. Yeah. It's hard to turn down, hey, uh, baby, um, yeah. you know, you're in bed and, you're, and your wife's like, hey, uh, gosh, I just went to this big meeting and I guess we're going to give this contract to so-and-so-and-so-and-so or we're going to do this and that. And he's just like, hmm, shit, that's some fucking great information. Let me call these fools and buy some stock, right? So- you got to be a saint not to, you know, get onto that it, shit. It, shit. It, it, this is what I'm saying about human nature. Yeah. Human nature is, and, and so you're talking about predictability and stuff like that. Yes, because people are predictable. They're always going to do these certain tasks and they're going, they're going to deal with things a certain way. And that's why the stock market can be somewhat, you know, you look at these suck If you look at the most stock market, it keeps growing and growing and growing. Because new companies come in, blah, 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 blah. Um, and it's the same with the real market. You, there's, there's nowhere, we're getting more people. We need to house them. Housing is going to come right, so the real estate's going to continue to grow. Uh, and but but how people buy and sell and what they do and decisions by your government, right? Your your local government is so important. Like we we don't invest in California, we don't buy assets in California because we have a rent control here. It's pro renter as opposed to pro owner, and um, you know property rights don't aren't aren't as important here. We, we invest in we just bought a place in Orlando, Florida, right? It's 133 units. And the, the they're not dealing with that. You sit squat in my apartment and you fuck around and you're not paying your rent and doing some other shit, you're out, right? I can take you out 30 days. Here, it's like six months, eight months. Now, there's it's still a moratorium in California to, to evict people because of COVID. And, you know, I know the intent was there to try to protect people, but it doesn't do that. It actually just causes more challenge and corruption and, and problems. So, you know, I believe in... um know, I guess what I was going with that is like we we have to be conscious of our history to understand where we're at today, whether it's you're worried about economy or whether it's worrying about government or worrying about political environments. But, you know, w- where you spend your time and your energy, your thoughts, who you spend time with and what you're focused on is really important. And, and being focused is a really challenging thing to do in this in this era. Yeah. Uh, so I try to talk about that. I'm not super articulate at saying that, but I just know that once Makes we were able, sense. yeah, yeah, once we were able to really one define where we wanted to go, uh, because and we did that by getting knowledgeable uh, and getting financially literate, right? Understanding market, money, understanding one of the easiest way to do that, man, is just look around and say who's doing who's doing well, right? And what does well mean? Well means They've got, they're financially independent or they're financially free or they're very successful in their business and they're making a lot of money. If you try, I'm really big on finding role models and, and people you want to emulate and... Media Meteor, not meteors. Um, mentors. Mentors. Yeah, mentors. Mentors are, are, are there to like really have day-to-day or, or weekly or conti- continuous contact. But even role models who you don't know, right? What are the characteristics of the people who are doing great? And that's why I mentioned that thing about you know, millionaires, right? They, uh, they come from this, this, more of them come from low income families than, than not. Uh, There was another gradient statistic that said that most uh, Americans are, have a negative net worth, like like 93% have no to negative net worth, right? Your net worth is negative. And for me, that's where it started. I I, I got this tool called Mint and I was, you know, making great money, $300,000 in sales, killing it. And I was like, I got mint. And I'm like, holy shit, where's my money going? Like, I make all this money, where's it going? And it was going to the wrong things. And I'm like, where, where, I'm wasting my dough. Turns out, same study from uh, the Fed says that not only do 93% of Americans have no to negative income, right? Because they're taking their money and they're spending it as opposed to investing it. That's, that's number one. And that comes with just lack of knowledge, not understanding how to truly build wealth. And once you start understanding that, right? Uh, and you start thinking about what do I need to do to align myself with the people who are doing that and to learn from you start getting the tools, life changes, right? Can you start bringing that start all just starts coming to you. So that's why I try to talk about it a lot. And you know, I'm not the best at articulating my thoughts around this, but I am convinced that people who are um, there are people who, who have already put a roadmap together for wealth creation And I think in this time where things are getting more expensive, like we were talking about, and you wanna craft the life that you wanna live, which for me is financial freedom, time freedom, and now the ability to like tell people and uh, tell my story and let them hear, you know, what I've been able to do, which is crazy. I went from having a job to being, you know, a millionaire and having a lot of money and uh, being able to do things that I do, right? We travel all over the fucking place, my lady and I. We work our asses off, but we travel. Where is she from? Lisa, so we're both from Sacramento.
0: Hi, Lisa. <laughs> yes, both from Sacramento.
1: Both from Sacramento. Nationality? She's white. White. She said, "I'm a bit Cherokee too." <laughs> I have a little Cherokee in me. I'm like, get out of here! You got no Cherokee. You got no Cherokee. <laughs> you blue eyes. You super light. You got some Irish in you. <laughs> no, she's a white girl, man. I like, I like all kind of girls. What I like about her though is that she's extremely beautiful. Blue eyes. Curvy. Um, super sexy, but she also has a great mindset. We have the same value system. We grew up in the same kind of neighborhood and, um, our families know each other and stuff like that. So it's really cool. Uh, but she's also just a really great woman, man. Woman of faith. I have to say love that. That's awesome. So, and she's super positive and you know, uh, we got a chance to meet the Dalai Lama together. That was fucking awesome. Yeah.
0: That's fucking great. <laughs> the
1: Dalai Lama dude. He was just like, yeah. He was, oh <laughs> If you get a chance, there's a great book, I always recommend to to you, it's called to everybody. It's called The Art of Happiness. And this guy from University of Arizona follows a Dalai Lama around for two years. And he's just like, Hey, what's the art of you know, tell me about happiness and how to achieve it? And he gives him all his thoughts. Two years. And the the gist of it, the high level is, is that we have the ability to control our our emotions. We want to be happy, we can be happy. It's just yeah. like that. It's actually instantaneous, right? Our brain is powerful. We can control our thought. And that that's a great book to Challenge limited belief systems, right? And that's kind of what I'm talking about. Is there's limited belief systems, there's lack of knowledge, limited belief systems, and mindset. So, dolly love, but Lisa is fucking badass. She's a cool chick. Everyone loves her. She's the face of our company, <laughs> right? She's a 20 year real estate broker. Uh She does luxury real estate for Cobo Banker. Woo Orange County. Well, hoo-hoo. Yeah, oh, here we go. We yeah go. that's right
0: Yeah, Lisa That's right, that's right. Lisa and, and
1: you just got married Yeah, and I just got married, right? Congratulations, and So man. super stoked Now it's time to start a family yeah, Super right. stoked on that It's never too late It's never too late Now it's perfect, man it about, Number one, find the right woman Found her Yeah So I hadn't seen her in 20, 20 years We ran into each other I was like She's like, oh, I'm moving to LA I'm like, oh yeah, I live in LA She's like, oh, uh, you have any kids? I'm like, no, you got any kids? Like, no, I got no kids Hmm I got an idea I think we can kick it then <laughs>
0: Yeah. Isn't it weird how that, that works out?
1: Yeah, man. It is, dude. But I tell you, dude, I was on the dating scene hard in Hollywood. I was out here living in Hollywood, having a good time. Two thousand ten to two thousand sixteen, living the life. It was great. I had a nice car, dope condo. Like that's what I tell you, I was making money. And then I discovered and and everything was good and I was having a great time. And then uh, you know, just my awareness changed. I said like, oh, where's all my money? And I got more financially literate. Um And I really just started making some key decisions in my life. It was like, hey, I want to be in this place. And I started looking around and saying, who's doing what I want to do? And I followed and emulated them. Uh So I don't know. Do you, do you like Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, of course. Yeah? Yeah, he's a killer that actor. Ass.
0: Huh? Killer actor, fucking hilarious, funny. You know, uh, yeah, his personality. great bodybuilder. Great bodybuilder, yeah. his accomplishments. I was watching one. Did you watch the interview of why he started working out? Oh, yeah. Well, I've
1: seen the, it. Well, I've seen so many, but which one are you talking about? Yeah, there was one, I
0: think it was, uh, fuck, uh, I can't remember. I think Carson, I think, it was interviewing him. And he goes, what got you into bodybuilding? He goes, well, I was 17, 18 years old, and I saw myself in the mirror, and there was one part of my body that was <laughs> much bigger than the rest of my body, so I figured out I have to work out my body to match the, the one part on my body. Yeah, yeah <laughs> fucking, you know, He's hilarious, dude. He's hilarious, dude. Yeah, you got and, his accent down too good. And the, and, and the good. confidence that the guy has. He has a fucking confidence and a go-getter personality, you know. Yeah. Like, like, like here's the thing that, that I've noticed. The thing that I noticed... Um, uh, the thing that I noticed about growing up in the United States and going to schools in the United States is this, there's a whole system trying to program you and say, Hey, become an employee and be a good worker and show up on time and be a nice guy and, and don't, don't say no and and Mm -hmm. be polite and, 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 you know, be scared of the police and follow instructions and, uh, you know, uh, be a hard work like there's just a fucking program that, that's in there. Yeah. And depending on what neighborhood you live in, that, that programming gets even deeper because now it's programming to your parents, your parents program into you. The teachers are programming into you, the principals programming to you. Now you're creating this whole thing. It, that that's real. That's totally. Fucking real. It's so real. And, man. It, and it's and it's like Glad in the last six years, I'm like, <gasps> Oh, fuck this, dude. <laughs> this has been a fucking trap, man. Yeah. This, is, this is the matrix.
1: The it, matrix, it, dude. This is a fucking matrix. It's the matrix, man. Especially with, you know, uh, public education is, is one of those things, right? And I, I, it's funny. I read something the other day about how public education was really... Um, Henry Ford was one of the uh, people who were very pro- uh, having a national school system, right? Think about our national school system, right? They're pushing content, they're setting standards for food. How you know, do you take tests? Blah 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 blah. And he was a big he was actually the guy who pushed it through. And you know, he said, I wanted, I don't want to create a a, a nation of um, you know, entrepreneurs, I want to make create a nation of fucking workers, yeah, people who come to the factories and work, right, and laborers. Right. Yeah. and if you think from about check check in from the head down check in from, exactly man you know that movie with tom cruise uh shit what the name of it is is it minority report no no old school school so he's a high school player in a steel town in a steel mill town pennsylvania whatever and he's like it's it's early tom cruise it's it's a great mm-hmm. move. all the right moves and uh he's a star quarterback whatever anyways what what they, t- he, he's programmed and everyone's like oh you got to go to school then you got to go work in the mill then you got to go to college and you got to do this and he's like you know what, I don't wanna do any of that shit. It's like I don't wanna fucking do that. I wanna go work in the mill. And yeah, maybe I wanna go play football. He was great football. maybe I would play football in, in college. But college high school, college, right, all these things in their great institution. I mean they're you know, they have their, their place. But the fact that we have this centralized school system where people can just program people from the top down is scary to me, right? And you know, Lisa and I, we wanna have our when we have kids, we don't we don't wanna be in the public school system and be like, what the fuck? Uh, you know our tax dollars are still going to pay for it but but yeah we're getting programmed man it must be programmed we're losing individuality no
0: it, it really limits people to to their full capabilities totally it, it really doesn't and keeps it keeps them it, from and it. it and it puts a fear yeah. it puts a fear in people and i grew up with that and and just recently i'm like dude like fuck this like like no enough that's right. Uh, enough, man. This enough. is bullshit. Enough. And, and ever since you know, ever when you break out of that, it's like you're like, whoa! There's a whole. There's like a bunch of people on the other side. Like, oh yeah, come on in, man. Yeah, like, exactly. What could be on the side, it, man? Bro. This, isn't this? You crazy? made it outside oh, the matrix. Yeah. That is fucking. You want to go to the beach, man? Like, yeah, like, exactly. Motorcycles, man. Yeah, like, it's fucking exactly, crazy, dude. Exactly. But people fall into people fall into the trap. Number one. Then the other problem is comes back to the educational system where it's it's you start falling into debt and you don't fall into debt accidentally. That's programmed, too. They make everything look nice. Totally finance your iPhone, mm-hmm. finance the newer iPhone, mm-hmm. finance the the case, finance the new case, and, and then you're you know buy lease a car. Yeah, like, like how many people are driving cars they can't afford? Yeah, you know, totally. but they're paying. 800 a thousand bucks a month totally I, I think the average car payment especially in la is gonna it's gotta be like 750 it's gotta bucks. be 800 bucks a totally at because least you can't buy no shit it.
1: and then you got insurance and you
0: got all the other crap on there, service Sounds and then so the expensive. fucking ticket everybody gets a ticket on sunset everybody gets a ticket on ventura totally. you know, at least once a month you know yeah. and then you have that cost a minimum of
1: 150
0: to 200 bucks a month just in citations i had a buddy of mine he's had uh he had <laughs> four exotic cars he had like a mclaren a ferrari two ferraris and a porsche and and he got rid of everything he got rid of everything yeah he, he straight out uber everywhere and it was a parking t- it was too many parking tickets one time yeah there was just one month where he had like fucking six parking tickets and he had to do a service <laughs> he's like what the fuck dude
1: yeah imagine right? imagine what it must be like if you're a, a waiter or a busboy you know someone who makes Forty thousand a year, fifty thousand dollars a year. Here, oh, and you get that ticket. That it's you get that ticket is devastating, right? It's and the parking de- ticket for sixty-five bucks. <laughs> it's like fuck, dude.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's back to those fucking jobs of the people that fall into the system and and, and fall into that you know eight to nine or I'm sorry eight to five job. Mm-hmm. The highlight of their day is is taking a shit in the bathroom <laughs> and checking their social media. Like, that is the highlight of their fucking
1: day. That's right, man. How
0: fucking that fucked up is
1: that? That would suck, man. And then
0: people do this for fucking, <laughs> what, 20 years, 30 years? Oh, I can't even imagine. So I'm you know? What? And then people are like, I can't quit. Yeah. I can't. I I just bought a fucking slave. house. I just had There's a fucking slave. kid. I'm stuck, yeah. you know? And they're making this 45, 50,000. Uh, I've said this plenty of times on the podcast, but um, th- there, was a, there was a report of the... the the biggest regrets people had, people that are dying, you know, on the dying bed, they're yeah. like their last week on the, on the earth. They did a questionnaire and they were like, you know, what, what's the, you know, what do you regret? And the number one thing was not telling the people you love that you love them enough. Mm. And, and number, that was number one, number two. And then the other number one, number two was uh, not quitting their job on time.
1: Yeah, totally dude. And
0: this is people saying this on the fucking deathbed. Yeah. On the deathbed. You know, I wish like, I would've fucking stopped. I, I wish I would have stopped. Yeah. I it, wish I would have spent more so time with my family. I wish I would've enjoyed. Because think about it. You you go into the university, you go to graduate, you fucking, you know, do that till, you know, twenty eight, whatever, twenty nine years old. Then you have a fucking two, three hundred thousand dollar debt, especially today. Then the, the next And then you get taxed to death.
1: Then you get taxed to death
0: and then you're you're just you're just stuck.
1: Yeah. Yeah, think about that, man. In California, if you live here and you're a high-income earner, right, you're going to be taxed 13%. The next closest state, I think, is six. So this happened in 2013 when they jumped it up from, from six here to 13. And Combine that with your state income, ta- you know, your federal income tax, you know, you're 30%. So if you're someone who earns over $150,000 a year, you're going to be taxed almost 50% of your income as a W-2 employee. Right, you go work for somebody, you become a doctor. A lot of my so we run a syndication, which is means that we park park by the people's money with our money, and we go and buy apartments. So we have these investors who we work with, and they're mostly um, doctors, IT folks, um, you know, high net worth individuals, and and they they have a status called accredited, which means that they've they either earn two hundred thousand dollars a year or have a million dollars in in assets, not including their primary residence, and. Most of these people are very busy high earners but they're getting taxed to death, right? Right. They're making money, goes, fuck, 50% of my I meant half half a million dollars a year. 250,000 just went to the government. 250,000 of my money. Bye. <laughs> you said, so these are people like we need to figure out ways of one generating more income uh, and where that we can keep more of that income um, pre-tax, right? So and they can what I mean by that is uh, generating passive income that allows them. So passive income means for those people who know is, is uh, unearned income. It's from an investment, right? So you don't have to get up and go to your work and it's not a W2 income. It's untaxed revenue coming in to you as an individual. And to get that, you need to invest in something, right? And then at the end of the year you get taxed. So what smart, you know, really wealthy people do, <laughs> smart people, wealthy people. They're not necessarily smart. wise, wise, wise people, <laughs> wise people, Right, they they understand that and that's what a lot of these doctors who I work with why they invest with us is because they're like listen I'm, I'm going to get this money and I can either go buy a, a, another house or a motorcycle or I can invest it with you Johannes and I can get you know some passive income every single quarter or every single month at the end of the year then I deal with taxes and with that extra money I can do a lot of different things and they also understand that real estate's a great you know there's depreciations all these great things that you can do but um, what's interesting is what you're just talking about is you know, getting people getting stuck like trained to go and become a worker and get this job. And all the people who have these great paying jobs, all the doctors that I work with, they're like, shit, I wish we would have started doing this ten years ago, right? Because we'd already be done. Right. And this one guy who went and did his own firm, he's like, I he's an Indian dude. He's like, My parents brought me here to go to school. I went to school, became a doctor, um, cost us a whole shitload of money. We did it. I started making tons of money. And then I found someone to invest with. And now I'm like, why did I become a doctor? It was such a waste of my, of my life. Don't get me wrong. I I think there's a lot of great things that come out of being a doctor, helping people's, you know, I determination. there's a lot of good stuff, but there's a lot of
0: temptation, a lot of fucked up shit going on there too. Yes, exactly. And you got to see death and you got to, and the hours, dude, these guys work.
1: Yeah. They grind. Being a doctor is a grind, bro. It is not fun. You work. You work your ass off, right? You're in there. It's pressure, liability. I mean, these guys are, are this time, this, this doing dollars for hours thing, you know, trading your time for, for money sucks. And have you ever read that dad, rich dad, poor dad, another book that was really powerful? Yeah, Robert Kawasaki. Kawasaki. Yeah, Kawasaki, right? It's like, hey, you, you can't live like that. That's what you're talking about. I the gotta be race. at this place, right? The rat race. So Lisa and I, um, it's funny when we, so I, I was, I was making really good money, you know, for the last ten years, I've been getting making really good money, you know, and, uh, I really was like, I bought a house. We were, li- I was living in it. It's great, but you know what, man? Every day I had to go to work to, to, to pay for that place, right? I couldn't take, I, I couldn't quit my job. Right. I needed to show up and do I need to show up and support somebody else to get them to give me money so I could live in this place. Right. And, and I I had to always make sure that that was being fed. Right. And that's what right. and that's what happens. So that you get the, you get your W-2 paycheck and government takes 50 percent of it. Right. You're fucked. But it's a it's a it's a it's, a, it's a, a hamster wheel. So right now, a lot of the people who we work with, they're like, let's get the fuck out of the sell our house. Uh, let's go rent somewhere, awesome. I'm gonna go rent a house, it's cheap. Yeah. I'm gonna liquidate, put $150,000 in my pocket. And I'm gonna go put that money and go make it work for me, right? I'm not gonna work for my money, I'm gonna put it to work. And multifamily apartments has historically been the number one asset class of investments, better than stocks, better than crypto. Historically, it just always does awesome. Why? People need a place to live. People are always gonna prioritize where they live over everything else. their car, um it's food and shelter right food water shelter <laughs> shelter is a priority it's an essential and uh it's a tangible asset right it's not like uh, stock and crypto where you're like you're just buying paper. It's, it's a it's a trade of something that's not actually there. insurance i mean uh real estate is a tangible asset it's insurable right it fucking burns down someone's someone's gonna you know give you money for it so uh i don't know where i was going with that thought but uh just being, you know, having an understanding of that. So, oh, what I was saying is that we didn't buy houses. We yeah. started, bu- we started buying. We, you we sold your house. We sold our house. We started, place, started we started, so renting, ADUs. started Yes, actually, we bought houses first that we rented, mm. right? In Arizona, we bought six houses, and uh, very quickly we started getting this great cash flow. We're like, oh shit! You know, each house was giving us, you know, a thousand dollars a month. We had five houses. We're like, oh, this is great. And they, they doubled in value every year, essentially, which is crazy. We, we started investing in Phoenix 2017 when it was just before they come up. Then COVID, everyone moved their asses over there, right? It was like, oh, shit, rent just fucking exploded. So, And then we, we sold that and we bought our first apartment building. But my point is, is that even my investors are doing the same thing because they realize that they have to continue to get up and work every day for that, to pay for that house. Where if they invested it into an asset like real estate, it could, it could give them cash flow, it has equity, it's a very safe asset. Even single family, great asset, right? It's insurable, it always bounces back. You talk about these, these market correction real estate, right? Even 2008, it was like, fuck, for a year and a half, we were fucked, two years. And then it came back, right? It came back in about three years, new construction in four years, but already people were back in the marketplace in, in year two. Um, because people need housing. They need to fucking, need to live there. They have a place to live. So, we really like it, and, uh, I try to, I talk about it all the time. I'm addicted to real estate. I'm addicted to real estate. Real estate, replace no. cocaine. No. <laughs> it was cocaine, and then I found real estate.
0: Yeah, that, um, that's fucking hilarious.
1: Um, so you have your real estate license, or you just no, do no, investor? No, no, You're no. just we're, an investor. We're an investor. Yeah. So yeah. there's two types of people, right? Where you uh, there's there's passive investors and there's active investors. We're active investors. That's all that we do. We don't get paychecks uh, from you know a job. Remax or something. That's yeah. right. Yeah, we're not uh, we're not brokers. We're nothing not wrong agents. with Remax. I'm not saying that's right. it's just Whatever. We're professional real estate investors. That's what we do. Right. So we uh, we develop a network of. Uh, so when we understand real estate markets, real estate cycles, we're investing in certain places based off certain criteria. The primary ones being job growth and population growth, right? That's why in Florida has been so fantastic for the past two years. Houston, another really great market. Uh, we just started investing in Northwest Arkansas. We're in contract to buy a place here. Um, but we do that full time. That's all that we do. That's our one. So we're active investors. Also, we're part of what we call the management team. We make all the decision in our investment. We we hire all the property managers, we know the contracts, all that stuff. Then there's passive investors, right? Which is just normal everyday shows. Uh, and they're getting passive income. They have no, you know, input on the property, right? They're investing in us as operators. Can we do the job? Do we know what we're talking about? That sort of thing. And um, so, yeah, so that we're out there doing, you know, looking for deals, uh, acquiring property. We do what we call a value add strategy, which is, we deploy capital to improve a, pro- a property, so we're looking for deals that are um, underperforming, right? So, great pieces of property in great locations that are underperforming. Maybe maintenance hasn't been kept up. They're operating it inefficiently. Uh, one of the big things that we do often is, is submeter a, a project. A lot of these property owners, man, they're paying for the power for the whole building and shit, right? And like, no, nah, man, submeter that to take that off your expense, off your operating expense, and put it on the tenant. Things like that, right? Or improving amenities that people want or willing to pay a premium for. So we do that. We reposition the assets, and then over time, they they do a nice, a nice return, typically over a, a three to five year hold period. So in that time, our investors get cash flow. Say you put in hundred thousand dollars, right? This is how we look at deals, right? Here's what's a typical multifamily deal. Okay, for an investor, right? When we were talking to our investor, we say, hey, we're we're looking for a, a seven to eight percent cash on cash return. What does that mean? <clears throat> that means that uh, I'm getting a 7% return every single year on my cash investment. So if they give us $100,000, right, they'd make $7,000 a year in cash flow, right? Um, so but that's compounded every single year. So if you're fi- with with us for five years, you're getting 7%, 7 times 5 is 35% return on cash on cash return from my, from your investment with us. Oh, that's pretty good, right? I take that 38%, 40%. just well, awesome. Like that. Well, gets better. So after we improve the property and we increase the rents, we also increase the value. Uh, Multi-families based, commercial properties is based on income. The values are based on income, not on comparables like single families or other things, right? Oh, what did that house sell for? That household, you know, that's how they judge value. Commercial is about income. So it's a business, right? How much money does this property make profit? So when we increase the rents and we're making more money, right, We've and we, we call that a loss to lease, when we're increasing the rents by a significant amount, uh, that raises the value. So then at the end of the hold period, usually the year three or year five, we disposition, we sell it, maybe we refinance and we have tons of equity, we have tons of equity built up basically at this point. So to our investors, oftentimes we just sell and they'll make what we call an equity multiplier. And it's usually a, a 2.25 right now is about a two and a quarter, um, which is 225% return. So if you invested $100,000 with me, you're going to make on the end of the deal, $225,000 basically. Plus, you're going to have that 7% cash-on-cash cash return you're going to get every single fucking year. So wow, that's huge. It's huge, that's man. Enormous. It's gigantic. It's really fantastic, man. And then then on top of that, there's this huge thing called depreciation, which a lot of people don't know about. Uh, depreciation is like, what's the life, you know, full lifetime? Basically, it's saying this this property has a, a useful life of X, yeah. right? So, um, in commercial real estate, you can depreciate your asset Um of it over a uh, 27-year period. So if I bought an apartment today and I bought it for $27 every year I could take a write-off, a loss on my taxes for a million dollars. So think about that. Um, Okay, I just made a whole bunch of money in real estate, bought this property. We're getting cash flow and I've got this extra cash. But now I have a million-dollar write-off every single year that I have from this property. A million bucks. Don't have to do shit. It's huge. So for us, it's fantastic. And- so the people who are investing in us, right? They've they've got that that knowledge, right? They're like, oh, this is how we're gonna make. This is how people make. dough. Jeff Bezos, his he also um, uh, who's Tesla guy, uh, Musk, right? These guys are huge real estate owners, portfolio billions of dollars in real estate. But not Musk, not anymore. He sold everything. Oh, did he? What, what really? No, because he was he said he was invested in a. Uh, no, well well, that, well, well, also think about sold, his assets he sold, that he owns right, for his he, business, right? right. So.
0: Uh, yeah, he bought two hundred and fifty thousand acres yeah, exactly. of land for fucking Tesla. Yeah, yeah. So, so in that, but he has no personal homes or house, no, 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 no. Yeah. But he has but tons yeah, of commercial real estate. Commercial real estate. He yeah, owns yeah, yeah. tons. And that's what I'm SpaceX, talking
1: about. SpaceX. Yeah, yeah. But also personally, he's invested in a lot of uh apartment deals and things like that. His houses, like luxury items like that, that's not I'm talking about true investment, commercial, uh commercial grade properties. Um and so you know that's how you make wealth is created. When we do refi, sometimes we do we do a refi. We'll like so you know the equity's grown. We'll pull a whole bunch of money out, and and that's all tax free. I can pull all my equity out of my fucking investment property, and say like let's just say they're like, hey, let's not sell this property. It's doing so great, right? Let's just take the equity out and and continue reinvest. to keep it, right? Yeah, reinvest it, or or you know all of my um, my house that we live in. We bought that in my toy hauler. And most of my big purchases are from From doing cash out refis. From debt. From good debt. That's right. And secure debt. Right. And and debt that's paying me fucking return. Right. So to your point, right, people just don't have this knowledge. And, and I try to talk about, I'm so busy doing my business and busy focused on, uh, finding new deals and investing. And, and we have a guy who just does capital raising and, Lisa's out there doing acquisitions. I'm doing the, a lot of the underwriting and putting together deals because um, that's what I do. And, you know, it's a, it's a tough thing. But I want to talk to people more about, hey, just gotta, I'm seeing so many great people, like I told you before in the beginning, these great people, man, natural leaders, people you want to rally on. I'm like, look, you need to be in real estate. You need to not be fucking around. And, or, or, or you need to find out a way to change your position right and figure out who's doing what you want to do around them and start working towards that because uh life is short right and and anybody who i'll tell you i wish i started doing this 10 years ago if I was smart <laughs> i when the first one after uh, 2001 right and then the economy went on fire man i was like buying so much shit dude <laughs> i was buying so much crap man. i had tons of bikes back then Right. And then weekends and partying and did it, Cocaine. All this. Yeah. Cocaine. <laughs> cocaine, man. I used to go to Columbia a lot, man. Colombia is my favorite place. Yeah. My buddy's there right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's fucking yeah. awesome there, man. Yeah, Great place to ride motorcycles. Great places to party. Yeah. Great he cocaine. He won't, he won't leave it. Yeah. 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 Down there, it's the pure shit, dude. Right? Pure. It's like, it's
0: like the real, pure, uncut, I've, uncut bullshit. I've I've had that conversation with people. I'm telling people, like, look, you, you, by making drugs illegal, you're not preventing anybody from doing drugs. All you're doing is people now have Creating to create a drugs, black market, a black market where yep. people don't know what the fuck they're getting, and, and you're putting people at, at at risk. Totally. Like like when we were buying weed back in the days, right? Fuck, you had to call like two, three buddies, and then you had to meet somebody in some yeah. fucking alley. Yeah. Then you have no idea what the fuck he gave you. That's right. And then when you smoked it, it was popping because of seeds and mm-hmm. shit and stems.
1: And you're like, what the fuck was this bullshit? <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, then you had to make sure. That's why when you found the guy who had the chronic or who would get it off. Right. Then you're like, I'm sticking with I'm you. I'm sticking dude. with him.
0: But then he couldn't even keep it yeah. consistent. His shit would change. Man. And and you know what? I have a dinner. Okay, shit. I have a dinner. Um, just before we close this up, um, who who are your 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 who should contact you? People that want to invest, or people that want to get refinanced, or people that want to buy a property. Uh, who who should contact yeah, you, and yeah. how can they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, the uh, people who should contact me is. Yeah, okay, so what am I looking for? What brings me value? Yes, investors, obviously, we're always trying to raise money. We're starting a fund, uh, um, which is basically just uh, investors are investing into a fund so we can go out and buy more properties quickly as opposed to raising money for each deal. We're we're creating a fund so we can just go out and buy multiple deals and move quickly. Um, So we're always looking for investors, which is fantastic, but also people who want to change, change their life, man, and really think differently. And I don't have a program not selling anything, right? You but should. just really, you know, you I should. think, I think by giving people and by bringing value, right, it always comes back to you. And so I, I, I want to extend Not that. always, not, not always, but you, <laughs> you, but that's, but that's a, the, the strongest strategy to develop great relationships. And that's what wealth, a lot about wealth is about is about having great relationships because the people around you are going to influence you in a positive way. And, and and share information. Dude, the, the, the group of people that I hang around with now. So we we just got back from Mexico, and we were at this amazing fucking resort, right? My buddies, one right. of my one of my investors, um, Cancun, uh, Playa del Carmen. Oh, so I Cancun. love Playa del Carmen. Yes, man. it was great. It was That's called the shit Unico. Yeah. It was this amazing, all adults only, all inclusive. And I don't like all inclusive normally, but I've only done one. It wasn't great. Uh, this place was dope. And it was my, it was my, my, one of my investors, one of my key investors, right? He's like, I just come and hang out and do this thing. Right, you Go get married there. Actually, what happened is they said, uh, they give us a free marriage, which was awesome. And if we stayed there for a week and he's like, yeah, go stay there. It's, it's our place. We have a, um, a membership and it was inexpensive and he just really hooked us up. And, you know, maybe it was 10,000, $15,000 worth of hotel and, and meeting space that we got. And, and, and it. I hate to even say the word free. It's just that that's what we do for each other. When you're up at this higher, when people get up to this higher level, it's about their network and the people that they're connected with, right? And they help each other, right? If I can help you, and I can, you can come into my place and get a free wedding and do all this. Come do it, absolutely. You know,
0: isn't it weird when you get to certain tiers? You know, yes. like there, there's just certain formalities of like you know, like oh here, like. I got the tab or just, I mean, that's a small one, Yeah, but like, here's this bottle and there's this car and here's this building. Like, you know, it's, it's, that's right. Cause everybody has a
1: different value that they can bring to the table. Right. And it can all help each other in some way, but, and they're also thinking about like the reason why a lot of these guys were, we're great friends now is because I've, I've shown them a way to change their life. Right. Here's a, here's an opportunity to change your life. Where can you go and double your money in, in three years and have, positive cash flow there, there's almost nowhere right it's 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 reserved for the super wealthy and it's reserved for big instit- normally people who invest in the big apartment deals that we do are like insurance companies and shit right big big players so the the ability for a normal guy to go oh i'm gonna invest in i'm gonna go buy an apartment building right hey do you want to buy an apartment building with me <laughs> it's like oh fuck yeah i'd like to buy an apartment and I've, I've given him that and and but also the mindset piece of it so uh, the best way to get a hold of me is uh, you can uh, reach me. you know, it's funny, and I should have thought about this before I came here. Email address. <laughs> Email address, you know, Johannes C at MFIpartners.com. Right. And I can't even remember my Instagram and Twitter stuff, but Johannes at MFIpartners.com or to go to our website, www.mfipartners.com, uh, multifamilyinvestmentpartners.com. com, multifamily investment partners dot com you can reach out to me schedule some time on my calendar if you just want to talk about mindset getting focused handling business that's what i like to talk about and i also like to talk about real estate so love to connect with you motorcycles and motorcycles yes yes anything has to do with motorcycles actually (laughs) that might be yeah
0: and then you don't mind if anybody sees you on the track just to approach you what's up man no real real estate motorcycles done
1: done exactly man it's a brotherhood real estate's brotherhood bikes are brotherhood everything's a brotherhood so it's all about the people you connect with. So love to reach out and connect with people.
0: Well, man, I'm happy we made this happen. I, yeah, I, know, I know last time I had a little emergency and this time I, I did have everything scheduled. Um, but well, I was late. You hooked it up. I apologize yeah, for that. We, we 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 we. and this won't be the last time we'll do this for it. We'll do this again. Uh, maybe uh, on the track. Ooh, I Keep like the that. Track. I like that. Man. Cool.
1: Yeah. Take the toy hauler. Cool, man.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Love you, brother,
1: man. Thank you so much. Thank appreciate you,
0: you. I appreciate you.